Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Explain It Slowly. Explain it slowly. It's a podcast where I ask Dimitri questions, and he will try his best to answer them. The best part, I have no idea what I'm going to be asked. So,、uh, let's do this. <laughs> yep. So today's topic is、uh, tech related. Uh huh. I know so, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, not all topics will be that, but、Uh-oh. today <laughs> is. So yeah, the topic is what is Apple Silicon. What is Apple Silicon? Okay, so let's start with what is silicon, right? Plastic. Plastic. No, <laughs> not at all.、Uh, it's actually closer to glass.、Uh, so basically,、uh, you take sand, you melt it, and you have、uh, essentially very pure glass,、uh, and you can etch、uh, different things onto this glass to make electronic components.、Um, if you put a lot of these electronic components together, you end up with a chip. Uh, and this is like a computer chip; it does stuff.、Um, so there's lots of different types of chips,、uh, and there's lots of different ways you can etch、uh, different th- combinations of material onto、uh, silicon.、Um, and Apple has made their own, and that is what Apple Silicon is. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. How、okay. does it work? How does it work?、Um, so how does Apple Silicon work, or how does silicon in general work? How does Apple Silicon work, and what's so great about it? Okay,、uh, so because because up until now it has been Intel, right? So I I think Intel made a name for themselves because they were doing the fabrication process, so often shortened down to fab. So if you hear Intel fab, that's what it's a fabrication process,、uh, and they used to do that in the United States, and I think they still do.、Uh, and they used to be the premier fab. Like if you wanted a chip made, you'd go to Intel because they were they had the best technology to be able to make. Really small little etchings onto the plate of silicon,、um, which means that you can get a lot of a lot of different components all right next to each other, and you can make a fairly fancy chip. Now, so they also use silicon to make the chip. Yeah, everyone uses silicon. Okay.、Um, so silicon、uh, is, as I said before, essentially melted sand. Okay.、Uh, so you melt sand, fairly high quality sand. Uh, and you end up with a bulb,、um, which, if you're not familiar with chemistry, is a extruded—not extruded, but、uh, it's essentially pooled. It's a long piece of glass,、um, and they use a very fine saw to shave off one layer of this long, long—not tube, but column of glass. Cylinder. Yeah, cylinder. The perfect, perfect terminology.、Uh, so they they slice off these sheets of it, and that sheet becomes. A disc that you can then go ahead and、uh, start etching stuff. So、uh, I believe they go ahead and put a layer of something onto that sheet of silicon. They essentially take the reverse of a picture, so they flash、um, a template, which is just like a piece of paper with cutouts. They flash that onto、um, the surface of that. Uh, and what they're flashing is UV rays, basically,、uh, and that eats away at different parts of the disc in different ways.、Uh, and then they wash it, so they wash out the part that got eaten away or whatever, or the part that got baked. I'm not too sure exactly what they do,、um, but doing this process several times, they can go ahead and deposit different things onto that sheet of silicon,、uh, and different things being next to different things create electrical phenomena. That can allow you to make very simple switches and、um, logic gates, which allow you to essentially run software 
uh, when you have enough of these all connected up to each other. So this logic gate is called a transistor. And whenever they talk about, oh, Apple Silicon has 11 billion transistors, what they mean is it has 11 billion little areas where you have these two different substances that are interacting in a way that allows you to make a switch that is controlled by another switch and so on and so forth. So you put a bunch of these little transistors next to each other, you essentially make a computer chip, which can then go ahead and do things. That make sense? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staring at Lynn and it looks like I've lost it. Um, so in any case, uh, that's what makes a chip. Um, now, Intel has been making these forever. Uh, and they use, they have a certain way of making the chips and they can make each of the transistors so large. The goal is to make them as small as possible because the smaller it is, the less you waste in terms of heat energy when the electrons are moving around. So as the electron moves around, it creates friction, just like you moving your hands together. Like if you rub your hands together like that, you create friction, it warms up. Same with a little chip. So as the electrons are moving around, they bump into things that transfers energy and you lose it as heat. Ideally, you want to lose as little energy as possible. So the smaller things are, the less the electron will bounce into things wrong and you will end up with something that's very efficient and you won't need to spend a lot of electricity to run it. The first great thing about Apple Silicon is they did an amazing job at keeping the amount of energy that you need to run the chip very, very low. So for the M1 Apple Silicon chip, for instance, there are others. For example, on your phone, there's the A14. Like Apple's been doing Apple Silicon since the first iPhone. Uh, not the first iPhone, sorry. Uh, the f iPhone 4, that was when the A A1 came out. Um, and they've been continuing them since. Uh, but for the M1, for instance, uh, it uses about 15 watts of electricity. So that's a measurement of the amount of electrons passing through. Um, to get the same computational power as a 45-watt chip that Intel makes. Does that make sense? So Intel makes a chip, it consumes 45 watts of electricity, whereas Apple makes a chip, runs pretty much the same, but it only consumes 15. So with that one, with two Apple silicon chips, you can use the same less power than one Intel chip. So that's the one area, uh, that's one area where Apple did a really good job uh, making a chip. And the primary reason for this is they are able to go to other fabs. Uh, TMSC, I think, is Taiwan uh, something something silicon. I don't know the name. Uh, but they're another company, not here, obviously. Uh, and they are able to make chips with a much smaller process. So they're able to make much smaller transistors uh, down to, I think, 10 or 5 or 7 nanometer. I don't know. It's very small. Um, and they're able to make the transistors much smaller on the chip, which means that they waste much less energy because the electron doesn't need to move far to get from one component to the next on the chip. Okay. That's a lot of tech stuff that I'm not sure I understand. But Okay. So what do you understand? So it's a chip that does what? Is that like the computer, the brain of like a device? Like what does it do is my question. Okay. So uh, on Macs, for instance, that have an Intel chip, that Intel chip is responsible for coordinating how the computer works. So it can access memory. It can go ahead and add and do things like math with things that are in memory. Uh, and it can 
basically take things that are in memory, do something with it, and put it back in memory. That's what a CPU does. And the rest of the computer will basically be looking at different parts of memory and react to it. So for instance, your screen is looking at a certain part of the memory, and when you change what's in there, the screen will show different things. Whereas your keyboard is accessing a different part of the memory. So when you press a key, it fills that memory up with the keys that you pressed or the location of your mouse as you move it. And all together, like I'm simplifying it a ton, but all together, that's what allows your computer to do stuff. So the CPU. Which is the Apple Silicon? I'm still on the Intel one. Oh, okay. Uh, the CPU coordinates everything. Now, the CPU can't do everything on its own. It's just one chip on a bigger motherboard. Okay. Um, so there are other chips, like a memory controller. That's what the CPU talks to, to be able to talk to the memory. Memory is itself made of chips. Mm-hmm. And that is what's responsible for remembering things. As long as your computer's on, it remembers, oh, the last number that you typed in was 5. And then the, like, the next number next to that is 17. So if we want to add 5 with 17, we look at those two spots of memory and we can... We can do something with it. So lots of chips on a motherboard, to say the least, uh, and they all work together. Now, Apple Silicon is a little different. It's one chip with lots of things on it. So that one chip has the CPU in one area, mm-hmm. it has the memory controller right next to it. It has the memory on that same chip, uh, and it even has the GPU, which is responsible for doing graphics, um, on, on that same chip. So it can do this in a number of different ways. It might just have a lot of room on the chip, so it can go ahead and put the CPU on the lower left corner and the memory controller right in the middle and the GPU on the top right, you know, that's a possibility. Or it can do it as layers. So one layer of the chip can be the CPU, the next layer can be the memory, the layer on top of that can be the GPU, and that's all sandwiched. So very thin layers, all sandwiched on top of each other, uh, and they can communicate via channels that they put in, electronic uh, wires. Um, everything being on the same chip means that it doesn't need to exit the chip to communicate with a different chip, mm-hmm. which means it's a lot faster because things are directly connected. Okay. So Apple Silicon one is just very efficient because it's on a smaller fabrication process. Okay. Meaning the individual little components, they're really, really tiny. And they're much closer to each other. They're much closer to each other. And uh, that's what makes it fast. And that's what makes it fast or that's what allows it to be fast while consuming relatively little power. Okay. Now, there's a lot more to it. So, for instance, the way a CPU works is there's a clock, like a pendulum, and every time the pendulum ticks, tick-tock, tick-tock, every time it ticks, it tells the CPU, do something, do something, do something, do something, do something. And that's what causes the CPU to go ahead and process things. It does things one after another. Mm-hmm. Now... That ticking speed can be made faster, but as a result of it doing things faster, it consumes more energy, right? So if you do things at twice the rate that you were doing them, then you're going to use up twice the amount of energy to do that thing. Does that make sense conceptually? Yeah. Okay. So Intel chips, for instance, you can clock them. It's literally a pendulum. So we talk about a clock at uh, around three to four to five gigahertz. A gigahertz is a billion times a second. Okay. So a billion times a second, five billion times a second, it's saying to the CPU, do something, do something, do something. Now, you can go ahead and make this faster as long as the CPU supports it, but it will consume more and more heat because as you tell it to do something, do something, do something, 
it won't be able to cool down in between. So it'll get hotter and hotter and hotter. And then you're going to start hearing the fans go up. Uh, and the computer is going to be having a heart attack, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, as, it's, as, as its heart rate is going faster and faster and faster. Uh, and it's thinking faster and faster and faster. Now, what Apple did is their chip has a relatively slow clock at 3 gigahertz. But it's still able to have similar speed characteristics than a faster Intel chip. So if you were to tell the chip to add two numbers, for instance, the Intel chip can do that in one one pendulum cycle, and the Apple chip can do the same. Okay, But if you want to ask it to do something more complex, the Intel chip might take a few pendulum cycles to actually do that thing, whereas the Apple chip will go ahead and do it in simpler steps. And as a result of that, you can end up with better performance. So even though the Intel chip is going faster, it's thinking fast, got to go fast, right? The Apple chip can then go ahead and take its time, but still get things done quicker because it's not doing as complex work as the Intel chip. Does that make sense? How come? Even though it's the same instruction or the same thing that you want it to do? So it's all because it's a different instruction in the end. So even though we want to do the same thing, we want to add these two numbers in a particular way, uh-huh. the Intel chip has a complex way of reasoning about instructions. Okay. The instructions can be one byte long, they can be five bytes long, they can be 20 bytes long to describe different things. And therefore, before the chip even gets to know what the instruction is, it has to parse and figure out what the instruction is. Whereas the Apple chip, it uses something called an ARM architecture. So the instructions are very simple. They're all one size. So it doesn't have to do as complex circuitry to figure out what the instruction is before it even starts working on it. So you can tell this is a very difficult topic because I'm having trouble understanding and asking questions. And I'm doing the opposite of explaining it slowly. I'm just powering through this. Right. So the Apple Silicon uses some an architecture called ARM. Mm-hmm. And it's a way for it to break down an instructions into little small parts in a way where it can process much faster. So... The Intel instruction set, uh-huh. you can think of it like a catalog, and it has all the instructions in that catalog. And the Intel one is a very large catalog. It has a lot of different types of instructions that you can send to the CPU. Okay, The Apple one, which is based on ARM, is a very small, like tidy catalog that has been reworked since Intel first came out with theirs. Uh, and it has relatively few types of instructions that you can go ahead and do. So you have a very big fat brochure or not brochure, uh, like an omnibus of like instructions that you need to do. That's on the Intel side. Whereas on the Apple side, you have a very thin brochure that just has everything that's laid out there. Um, you can't do complicated things, but you can do the complicated things on your, by yourself by chaining these simpler commands one after another. Okay. That makes sense. Kind of. So the Intel one, you tell it, hey, do this complicated thing. It will go ahead and figure out how to do that complicated thing. The Apple one, if you want to do the complicated thing, you need to know, okay, you need to do step A, B, C, D, and E, and that will get me the same result. So on the Apple Silicon, it takes five swings of the pendulum to do A, B, C, D, and E, whereas on the Intel one, 
you don't know how many swings of the pendulum it might take. It can take one for the complicated one that's done often, or it might take several uh, to kind of figure it out. So this is the difference between a CISC architecture, which is a complex instruction set something, uh, versus a RISC architecture, which is a, uh, I don't know what it stands for, relatively simple instruction set something. Um, so th this is what happens when I don't prepare. I, well, I don't know my acronyms, but uh, that's what the acronym is. It's RISC on the ARM side and CISC on the Intel side. Okay. So earlier you mentioned that when you, I guess, when you do a lot of things, mm -hmm. it heats up. Yep. So why did Apple or how were they able to remove the fan then? So their chip is basically so efficient. It uses so little electricity that it never has a chance to get so hot that it might melt. Okay. So as a result of that, the ambient air that's around us, so like room temperature air, uh, will be enough to cool down the chip on it, like just by it sitting there. Um, and... That's why, like your MacBook Air that you got, for instance, it is actually connected. So the chip is touching the metal surface of the laptop. Okay. But that's a big metal surface for lots of air to kind of bounce on top of and steal a little bit of the heat. So it's able to cool down just naturally because it never can get hot enough to, like, be a problem. Now, that isn't to say that Apple's not doing anything as well. If you are doing a lot of stuff on your computer, they are going to say, hold your horses. We're going to make things a little bit slower. So that way it has a little bit more time between those pendulum swings to cool down. But if it's processing things at a slower rate, mm -hmm. how is it so fast? If it's one of the fastest computer right now? Yeah, so... So how is it so fast? So it's, it's so fast because Apple did a great job at kind of coordinating all these different aspects. And there are more aspects. So for instance, a computer or a chip, be it Intel or Apple, if all you're doing is adding things... It can add things at 3 billion times a second. So you can do 3 billion calculations in one second. Like, that's a lot of stuff. Now, when you're using your computer, very rarely is it doing 3 billion things, like, in one second, because it has to go ahead and coordinate with different parts of the computer. It has to talk with memory, which is slower than the CPU. It doesn't run at 3 billion times a second. It runs at uh, 100 million. Okay? That's, that's a step slower. It has to communicate with your hard drive or your SSD. An SSD, you can think of it as being 1 million times a second, way slower than the CPU. Um, and the hard drive is just a 1,000 times a second, even slower. So the CPU is just sitting there twiddling its thumbs, waiting for data to come back either from the hard drive, the worst case, or your SSD or your memory. In all those situations, it's taking its time, kind of like doing nothing, waiting for that information to come back. The CPU is the Apple Silicon? Yeah, the CPU is the central processing unit. That's what coordinates the computer. That is the computer. Okay. Um, but it, by itself, is not a computer. It needs to talk with memory. It needs to talk with your keyboard, your mouse, your screen, the network, your hard drive, all that. So it's all together that makes a computer, but the CPU is the brains of the operation. Okay. It's the fastest component. Okay. I forgot what I was explaining. I have no oh, idea. So, so everything, everything is working together to kind of get things going as fast as possible. Um, now, because the CPU is not doing anything, it's twiddling its thumbs, that means that there's a lost opportunity to do work 
in that moment, right? So while it's waiting on the memory to come back, it can do a thousand pendulum cycles before that memory comes back. The CPU can't do anything. It's waiting on that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what uh, modern processors do, whether that's on Intel side or on Apple side, is they will go ahead and sneak to the next instruction and they'll say, okay, what do we want to do after we get the memory back? We're not going to wait for it. We're going to try to do all these things that we're going to like presumably use this memory with and see if we can take a few steps ahead of ourselves so that way we're not twiddling our thumbs so much. But if you don't have the memory that you need, how are you able to proceed? Well, maybe the next instruction has nothing to do with that memory. Okay, so it's just taking a sneak peek and it's still waiting yeah. if it needs some memory. Maybe it can make a guess. It's like, oh, if the memory is bigger than this value. Okay, so let's consider yes. Let's go down that path. Let's okay. consider no. Let's go down that path. Let's save the results for both. And when the memory comes, we know which path to take. And we have already, we're already a thousand steps ahead of ourselves. And these are the instructions mm -hmm. on how to like process something? Yeah. And... This involves someone figuring it out and thinking about what to do with the, the, the stuff? Yeah. So when you write software, you, you type away an Xcode that compiles into instructions. And the CPU will look at those instructions and do things based on what you tell it to do. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So Intel's ability to kind of look ahead um, and do stuff with the instructions mm. is good. They did a good job making things faster and faster year over year. Apple's ability is unparalleled in the industry right now. So basically what they did is they, instead of being able to look just a few instructions ahead, they said, let's look a ton of instructions ahead. <laughs> um, I, I really want to emphasize that ton. Uh, so that way it can go ahead and do a lot of work while it's waiting for the slower components of the computer to get back to it. Um, and it's very efficient at that. So they put a lot of engineering effort to kind of wire that CPU properly, which is not easy. Like we were talking about instructions. Oh, load the memory from this, add these two numbers. That has to be translated into circuits with little wires uh, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, now imagine you have a circuit with little wires and you're guessing ahead uh, before stuff even gets back to you. You have to make a circuit like that does all that stuff. So that's that's a lot of engineering effort and that's hard. Yeah. Um, so Apple has very smart people and they figured out exactly what circuits to have, uh, to have a big enough buffer where they can go ahead and load up lots of instructions and start working on them. If it can't do this one, it skips the next one and it kind of figures its way through while slower parts of the computer are getting back to it. And it's able to more, um, more efficiently use up its time so it can do more in the same amount of time. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So... That, combined with the smaller transistors, combined with everything being on one chip, combined with the different architecture, all of that comes together to make Apple's M1 chip and Apple Silicon in general, the thing in your phone that is running off of a battery be just as powerful as your computer is that is running off of like the wall outlet. It can draw as much energy as it needs. The phone can't, you know? It's a much more limited uh, area. So Apple had to really think about how to best solve that problem. And that's what they were able to do with the with their phones. And now that their phone is faster than a the computer, they can literally just take that chip, make it a little bit faster, and make that pendulum go quicker, you know? 
you have more power available to you. Mm -hmm. And you can then go ahead and run it on a computer and have a very, very fast computer as a result of that. So then why couldn't Intel do the same? So Intel needs to keep their... So Intel has a few problems. The first one is they need to keep backwards compatibility with their instructions. So, what? so Intel has their big book of instructions. Yeah. The reason why it's a big book is because they kept on adding year after year after year. Uh-huh. And if you still want to run software from way back when, okay. those instructions that that software relied on, still, they still need to exist. They still work? Yeah, they still work. Okay. Those instructions are still in that chip. Apple's chip doesn't care about those. It can leave them out. You know, it's brand new. Why? Because it, they don't care about running softwares that are old? Well, you have to recompile your code anyways to run on this different architecture. You have a different set of instructions. Right. So they can take a fresh take at that. Okay. Much smaller pamphlet. Yeah. Pamphlet versus big encyclopedia of okay. instructions. Okay. So Intel has to keep adding to that big encyclopedia. They can't take away. But can they refine, like, re what is, what's the word? Can they, like... Make more efficient. What's that? Yeah, fix it yeah, up. So they like can. And reduce they... the amount of crud in between. Or and that's what they have been doing. So it turns out you can't make computers go faster and faster just by making the pendulum go faster and faster. Uh -huh. Like other parts of the chip can't keep up with that. Like it's just not feasible because you're like approaching the limits of how fast electrons can move. Yeah. Okay, so you can't just make that pendulum go faster and faster. So Intel over the past ten years has had to do other things to make their chips faster and that's through making things more efficient so they have been doing that but having a fresh start is a much better opportunity to kind of like okay we know we know how the past 10 years have gone not great mm -hmm. in terms of making computers faster and faster they used to double every 18 months you get a two times faster the computer every 18 months that hasn't happened in forever mm -hmm. you know um so Intel has that problem. They have to keep adding to that encyclopedia. It's getting big. Uh, it's a problem. The second problem is that Intel, part of the reason why they can make their chips so efficiently is they're designing the chips that they make. Apple's not making the chip. They're just designing the chip and sending it to some fabrication uh, company to make their chip. So Intel's stuck. They need to make their designs that they come up with, but they don't have the technology to make they're designed at a smaller and smaller process. Like they probably can like try to do a simple chip at a very small process and succeed, but they're very complicated chip. They can't just make it smaller. Why? Because they probably have parts of that chip that are now going to touch and get ever so blurry. Do you remember I told you they have like a, a piece of paper that has cutouts and they like flash yeah. some UV light. Yeah. Well, you can imagine that getting blurry yeah. at a certain point, right? Um, and the smaller and smaller things are, the more and more, like, fine that piece of paper has to be. If there's one little speck of dust, that speck of dust is, like, the size of an island, like, overshadowing a huge part of that that chip, and it makes it defective. Well, then, since they are making the hardware, mm -hmm. why can't they, I don't know, read, I don't know, like, make it so that it works, then? Oh, like, why it... can't they make things smaller? Yeah, Intel, why can't you make things smaller? No, I'm trying to understand because <laughs> I don't get it. Um, I, I think it's just a, a matter of reality. Like, they tried and they weren't able to do it. But Apple is able to because what? Because their instructions are a lot less or because, I don't know, like... I don't so know. Apple's working with, um, with factories 
that are able that have the top of the line technology and they're able to do it and they're not sharing how they're able to do it they're just telling apple hey we're able to do this for you oh okay and intel's like but we want to do it too and they're like we're not going to share you you're our competitor we don't want to tell you how we're doing it i mean intel intel's been around for a long time they couldn't figure it out well maybe the smartest people at intel no longer work at intel Maybe they now work for that other company. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's all sorts of reasons why Intel can't do it. And mm-hmm. we don't know those reasons. Okay. But I can imagine that there's there's a good reason why they're kind of stuck. Uh, and they're trying to get out of it, to be fair. Okay. So maybe one day Intel will yet again be faster than uh, other things. But they probably need to let go of a lot of baggage in the process. Like, maybe they are able to make the smaller fabrication process work, mm-hmm. but they, don't they can't to. use their existing chips for that. They need to make a new chip. Right. Now, Intel can't just go ahead and say, hey, here's our new chip. Nothing will work on it. No one cares about that because they, they want a chip where everything works on it. So Intel has to live up to that that um, expectation. Uh, and Apple is able to... Because they control the whole thing, they control. They make the computer, they make the software. They're able to say, "Hey, you ha- you might have a bunch of old Intel code. We can make it run. We'll write an emulator that will translate those instructions uh, and have them run on on Apple Silicon. In fact, in Apple Silicon, we'll even have special instructions just for that emulator to run really, really fast. Mm-hmm. So Apple's able to say, "Okay, you might have old software. Don't worry, it will still work. If it's really, really old, eh, keep an old computer around." But they're able to control that whole process. Intel doesn't make the computer. They just make the chip. Mm-hmm. They don't make the operating system. They just make the chip. Mm-hmm. You know, they're stuck. They, they have to work with Microsoft to get things going. But if Intel makes a brand new chip with a brand new design and not, no one's ever seen anything like it before, Microsoft has to get on board with that if they're going to make an operating system for that. Yeah. Microsoft doesn't make the computer, though. The computer manufacturer at Dell... Needs to then make a computer that works with that chip, able to run Microsoft Windows. Mm-hmm. So they got all that working, but there's no software for it because all the software people that make software, like they're not going to recompile their old window code for that, you know? So they need to, like, that software is just not going to work. So there's all sorts of different levels that are at play here. And because Apple controls the whole stack, they make the computer, they make the chip, they make the software. They make the tools to make the software. They can control and change things. Next year, we might not even have Apple Silicon. They might have Apple Silicon 2.0, completely written from the ground up and 17 times faster. We'll be able to take advantage of that as a user of that computer because Apple controls that whole process. That's very smart. Yeah, it took them a long time, 40 plus years to get to that point. Pays off in the end. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Control your own destiny. Okay, that sounds good. (laughs) <laughs> That's a lot of information today. Uh, I'm a bit hazy on a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of understand what Apple Silicon is, kind of. Mm-hmm. So it's a chip. It's a CPU. Yep. It's a processor that has a whole different type of instructions on how to process things. Mm-hmm. And it's efficient because the chip is made at a smaller scales with everything closer to each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the gist of what I got. Yeah, that that's about accurate. 
Uh, now, if you, the listener, have noticed anything blatantly wrong in what I said, we're actually interested. So uh, go ahead and tweet at us. Uh, Lynn is at L-I-N-H-B-O-U-N-I-O-L on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Lynn Bunuel. Uh I'm at Dimitri Bunuel, so it's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L on Twitter. We are together at L-I-N-H-A-N-D-D-I-M-I-C-H-A-N, so Lynn and Dimichan on Twitter. Uh, you can tweet all the Twitters uh, and let us know if we got something wrong. Um, that way we can correct it and we can, we can be explained something very slowly over text because text <laughs> texting and Twitter is even slower than talking, right? Right. So that's, that's yet another thing the CPU has to wait for. Right. Cool. That's a lot of information I have to digest. So I think that's it for today. Okay. I'll quiz you on it next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> Bye. Have a good day. Bye.